0: Hey, would you say good morning to our speaker and friend, Hugh Halter? <laughs> Hugh, baby. We're going to do... Morning, Hugh just gentlemen. was going to come to my house. Nice to see you. Oh, he, is, that, is this school okay? You good? Yeah. You good? No, want me to raise it up or are you all right? No, I'm good. All right. It's a spinner. Hugh uh, was just going to come to the house. He called and said, hey, let's. I want to just hang out in the ocean and get a haircut and just hang out with you guys. And then I said, well, why would I... Prepare a message, you know, because I don't want to speak in front of a a guy like you. Makes me nervous already. Butch is here, you know what I mean, and so I'm thinking I'm just going to have him speak. So last night about 10:30, I think it was at night. Yeah. I said, what are we going to do tomorrow? He said we're going to get up at 3:15.
1: It's like really. Yeah. Like I flew all the way from St. Louis.
0: St. I'm Louis. Hang out with you.
1: California, yep. get some good weather. I, text, sit on the beach.
0: I texted him last week, and I said, bro, it's It'll a three-day storm coming. We're not going surfing. He wanted to surf. And he says, dude, I've been watching Mavericks my whole life, and I can't repeat the word you called me. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, are you in a wetsuit or panties? Are we going to surf or not, right? And so you came yesterday, and you, you, you said another expletive. <laughs> oh, man, it's big. Yeah, it's big, dude. It's yeah. stormy. Did you bring your panties? We got we got hit with one of those waves last night. Yep, he got yep. Stand Biggest up. nightmare to be swept away by a tidal wave. I've had reoccurring.
1: This is real reoccurring dreams since I was fifth grade about a tidal wave coming through a sliding glass door. So there's are How many of you have been to Mark's uh, lean-to? Couple there. people. I okay, don't know what he's people. told you about it, but it's a lean-to. It's a double-wide like mobile home type yeah. thing. And so they're showing me where, where, where I'm going to sleep. They have their bedroom. And there's like a little window that goes out to the little sunroom. But it's like four feet from their bed. It's like, you're going to sleep right there. Like, a little weird. It's a weird thing. A little weird. It's a weird thing. So I asked for the couch. Can I have the couch instead?
0: So, Welcome but, to California, brother.
1: It's a great place.
0: Hey, listen, Hugh, I want to ask you a couple questions. A um, little bit. Married how many years? 27. 27 years. And uh, you have an adult handicapped child. You told us a little bit about that. And he is how old? He's 32. 32? Right now. And he has seizures. How many seizures a day?
1: Well, I mean, it used to be 20 a day. Now he's, you know, uh, actually he's, you know, one. One's good. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. I mean, we would not like it if we had one a day, right? That would make a suck day for most of us, but him that's a win
0: so yeah yep and he's now home from the hospital the hospital just
1: yeah we had him up in the assisted living center up there so some of you guys remember the story we moved to this town because that's where ryan was at and uh he started to really go downhill so we brought him back into our house so we we had a little six-year break from having to care for him and then when we moved to town we thought he'd still live there but he's uh we moved him back into the house about uh four months ago trying to get him back to to health. His little swallow reflex doesn't work right now, so he's uh, he's down to about 80 pounds. It looks, pounds. looks bad. Wow. So, but we're getting there.
0: Hey, uh, I, what happened there? Do we go in? There we go. Right. Hey, uh, I say that because I just want guys to know what I like about the people that I bring to men's retreat is they're guys that wrestle deeply, they're just not packaged retreat speaker type people. And so I just like how you live your life, you. I respect how you you father, how you are a married man, how you're a business owner, entrepreneur. I'd love to spend two hours with you uh, in front of these guys. We will at the retreat, but hear about the post and your impact on uh, Illinois, Alt, Illinois, Alton or Alt? Yeah, Yeah. Alton. Alton, Illinois. And already a dynamic impact from when we were together in May, already exciting things. Starting to work. And you have your men, you have your, your, how many community groups? got three little gatherings of people
1: that have sprung up yep ones uh got a little crossfit gym that uh, we work out in and uh last week they actually asked me if i would do church for them on sunday and these are non-believers during open gym open gym people just show up and work out and they were one of them said you know this is my church and i was like that's great yeah and uh and then the other cat that runs the gym says, well, if you, why don't you actually just do church for us here? So we're going to do that. We've got a group. They know you're a church leader and a pastor. That's why they asked you? No. They don't know that I do that. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't really run a, a church like sure. they think. They. But we, they know you walk with the Lord. Yeah, we've just been loving on people. Yeah. A lot of them asked me to do their weddings. We just got asked to do a funeral for a friend's dad. So they kind of, they, they call me the sensei or... The Rev, sometimes, the, Rev, like, cause the they, spiritual leader of this. They Google me, so some know I used they to Google. pastor gotcha. like you know normal church and they stuff. They Google so. you, but uh, they know I, I basically run a, a coffee shop, you know, brunch cafe now. So,
0: and then you're starting the, the bare knuckle what's yeah, it called?
1: The, the journeyman bare knuckle saloon sessions, which is essentially like this. I really kind of got a lot of the ideas from Mark, but it's just a handful of dudes. So. Uh, the last two Monday nights of every month, they will come to our whiskey bar that we have at our coffee shop. And we'll do uh, eight talks. We're going to do wisdom. Sounds like that's what you guys are doing.
0: Yeah, we did. Uh, on Friday mornings, I do wisdom. So, yeah. so we're going to do that. It's a that. real good way to enter into community with guys because wants, nobody wants to wake up and be a dummy. And so yeah. we're break, You know, I, I couch it. Hey, are you guys interested in and Not looking, being stupid. Not being stupid. Yeah. And looking at a three thousand year old document that a father wrote to a son on wisdom. Yeah. And he was considered one of the wisest guy to walk the earth. Yeah. I've never had a guy say, no, nah, I'll pass on that. You, Give know me the the,
1: you know what the apparently the wisest guy, Solomon, remember what he asked for?
0: Wisdom. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He had a thousand wives. Yeah. You know why he had a thousand wives? <laughs> you never knew this? No. So at least one of them would be in a good mood every day. <laughs>
0: Come on! Tell that to your wife when you get home. Make sure you say that. Here's up what to we lodge. learned.
1: Here's what we learned today.
0: Guess what I learned at dawn patrol this morning, it's honey? Wisdom. There's a one in one thousand chance you'll be kind today. I know it's That's your great, yeah,
1: the great vision and hope of every man was the whole concubine thing. But think about it. You can barely handle one. Yeah. Who, who needs a thousand?
0: <laughs> hey, how do you get through? You mentioned um, a seizure a day, and all of us. You know, we come here, we get a little breath of, of uh, heaven on earth. It's We, we lose ourselves from our dailies until our phone buzzes or something. How do you at 54, how old are you 52? 52. 52. Don't, uh, put, don't, how don't do put me in your zone. Uh, Not there yet, bro. A 52-year-old man, so you've lived the front half of your life. How do you handle a bad day? We're talking about leadership. We're yeah. just open to leadership series, Follow the Leader. And as a leader, how do you handle it? Well, a couple things.
1: I actually we've processed a lot because I'm a natural curmudgeon my wife kids bought me a mug that says curmudgeon i I generally wake up grumpy I kind of look at the world like yeah geez <laughs> you know so it's my natural way some people are more like you're not that way you're no. like an optimist I'm an you optimist. always see how many of you are actually more curmudgeon just like you're fighting that okay so you, you know you can't get away from it it's just there Um, but one of the things that I've learned in life, the things that made me a curmudgeon is I always thought, I just, if I can just fix this problem and get to the next thing, it'll, and I now have settled the issue that you got to play the hand you're dealt, you know, and all of us have significant struggle, no matter if you're getting wins, you always are struggling somewhere, right? So if the business is going good, you might be struggling in your heart, uh, You know, the kids might be doing great, but it's not that great with your wife today. So uh, just every man's got a battle not to look to the next day to try to figure it out. I had a really, really bad day three days ago. Uh, So with our coffee shop, it's kind of a, it's like a business incubator. Our town, you know, we went in there, we were like, what would be good news? And our town went from 90,000 people to 30,000. So we're just trying to create jobs. That's literally what we're trying to do. Just every single person we can somehow help create a business and get a job and so people have donated money so we could renovate this building and um and a, a guy that gave me some original funding um, said in a you know just a few weeks ago he goes I'm going to drive down to Alton on your anniversary which was a couple of days ago because one year anniversary I'm going to bring you a check for $200,000 and so that was a good day. And I started to plan and dream of all these really cool things, uh, different businesses that we could start, stuff like that. Talked with our whole team, I was going to give them all little raises. Uh, haven't been able to give any of them a raise for a year. So we just had, we had a great team day, like praying, thinking about all the stuff we could do. And then they came. And so it was, I was kind of, kind of excited. And then uh, they didn't give us a check. He said, he said I can't give you any money. So apparently some Chinese tariffs wiped out some of his profits and and so you know, sometimes if you lose like five thousand that's a bad day, right? If you lose two hundred in your mind, that's a rough day <laughs> And I went right to curmudgeon, like, "Ah oh, gee, mini Christmas you got it. you know I, I walk home I'm like, "You won't believe this," and I just started to just vent, and I can't believe he didn't call. Why didn't he just call me early? Why didn't he tell me? Why did he wait? Knowing I was waiting for his check, why wouldn't he like call? Hey, bro, real sorry. And um, so I was just kind of ticked off. Then I was hurt for my staff. I was like, all that work. Now I got to tell them all, you know. Then I looked kind of dumb. It's kind of some pride. Like, oh, crap. I shouldn't have even said anything. So I was just going through all that, and uh, woke up at 3 a.m., just belly aching again. And the thought occurred to me that I've been praying for the last six months for God to take a little bit of the heat off. Last year, I entitled it Heavy Lifting. We renovated four homes for our family. We moved two of our family members. Uh, My son Jesse, remember Jesse's story? Jesse had a brain surgery. Um, We started those three businesses, opened up. I mean, it was just a heavy, heavy year. It was always working. Felt like 80 hours a week every day. And so I was just asking God, like, can I just, can 2019 just be like, chill, like, recover, rest? And while I was sitting there, complaining about not getting the 200000 I realized that God had actually answered my prayer. Because I don't have any money to do anything. Like, actually, I don't have to think of all sorts of stuff and start new things. I just get to chill out. I don't know what the wisdom lesson is there, but if you pray for something... Either try to fake God out, or know that He might actually answer your prayer. But you got to see things differently. So I, I, I actually I was fine in that moment. I'm like, I actually get to rest this year.
0: Yeah, because that's a lot of work to spend two hundred. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Lord went, No, that's going to be bad for you now. Yeah, right. If you want to kick down another fifty my way and rest some more, totally.
1: (laughs) So I think that's how you handle a bad day. You try to get some perspective. On what God's really doing, and maybe really take your prayer seriously. What are you really asking God for? That's a good word. Because I think He loves you. He, I think He gives you the things that you ultimately. And I really do. I want more than two hundred thousand. I want
0: a restful year. So I don't know. That's a good word right there. Answers prayer not the way we think we do, but it's best for us. And a lot of you know the whole. Uh, we started our series a uh, tombstone in September with the Lord saying, you guys are great parents. Which one of you would give your kid a stone if they asked for a fish? You don't have these things in your life, peace, joy, contentment, because you don't ask for them. You know, if we ask for the things that line up with his will, he gives it to us. And that's a great, great example of him answering the call of peace and harmony and one with your wife. I mean, these things that are in scripture, he will grant us if we ask for them and then trust him for those things. That's a great word. What have you learned as, uh, how do you define leadership? Because we're all leaders. We learned that last week. We all lead, we all have influence. How do you define leadership?
1: Um, Remember I told my oldest daughter, we were talking about leadership when she was seven. And I said, leadership is just being one step ahead of another person. So I said, you're a few months older than your sister. So I need you to help lead her. So it's not like leadership, like amazing people. It's not um, you know the one percenters, those incredible individuals out there. Leadership just means you're just a few breadcrumbs ahead of the next guy. And so I think anybody can be a leader. Everybody should be leading somebody. somebody. And it doesn't mean that you have to have it all together. We're all frauds at some level, right? And we're all under recovery at some level. And so, all sorts of ways to think about it. One beggar telling another beggar where to find food. That beggar's a leader, right? Uh, I'd also say a leader has to be a legitimate person. Yeah. So, we we, ought, we have to lead because we actually, we can help a brother through recovery because we're in recovery. We're actually in it. We're drinking our own Kool-Aid. Totally. Yeah, so. we're living the life. You used, to, you used to be able to be a leader. If there was like a pulpit, you could stand behind the pulpit and be a leader because you could lead through speaking and I think the true leaders of this world are not the speakers anymore you can't hide behind a pulpit anymore you can't hide behind a Bible study people sniff you out right you're either legit or you're not legit doesn't mean you're all fixed yeah legit just means you're legit you're honest authentic yeah available so I think that's leadership
0: now a lot of people don't weren't at men's retreat and so you start micro churches in businesses yeah readers digest version yeah so you'll start a whiskey bar lead the staff to christ start a church community or they're what do you call them hurt wounded or dead dead you like to attract dead people We say invite dead people yeah and so as a community person and a small business owner and a lot of us are going to work today or involved in community athletics coaches what's one of the most um Valuable lessons you've learned in being effective in that kind of an environment for the kingdom's sake
1: Don't go at them with anything. Let them come to you for everything So Them, them I, being the world. Yeah, I don't ever try to talk to somebody about God I wait till they want to come and talk about God and they bring a conversation So we hire, you know, we try to hire mostly people that don't know anything about Jesus We just want to get them in our space We want them to see the way that we live and that we're different and we assume, as the New Testament taught us to, to assume that people will come and ask you for something. So, you know, the, the, the typical normal churchy way was we go at people, right? And It's just, you don't like it when people go at you, do you? For anything. You come at me and it's Duke's up time. The, the Christian way is a wooing way. We woo them. And if we're safe, we're trusted, then we get to speak. So, you know, I sit at my whiskey bar, which is right next to the coffee bar, because I can watch everybody come in the door. And I don't know if I told you guys, no, I couldn't have told you this last time. But this, this happened. People come in now all the time. That's their place. And um, if they've come in five or six times, then I walk up to them and I go, hey, time for your two-minute talk. And they look a little freaked out. Sometimes they go, okay, what is that? And I go, um, I just, I can tell that you've become a regular here and I would love to get to know, I'd like to remember your name. And it helps me, I'm old, can't remember, it helps me to remember you if you could just give me two minutes of your story. And I say any part of you, you can make it up, whatever. Um, and usually they give me, it's a 20 minute story, sometimes a two hour story. And then I just, I don't say anything, I just say thank you. I, I don't, I don't then try to tell them my story. I go back to the whiskey bar and I wait for a few months and they generally come back up and go, okay, so what about your two-minute story? And so that everything that has happened, they've asked, they asked me to start a church for them in the CrossFit gym. They asked me to tell them my two-minute story. But I just, I think there's a different kind of posture, that way that we can be in the world. But um, you don't have to go at people, but you do have to live in such a, way that people would question your life. You have to live questionable, right? You have to do something that they wouldn't expect. Um,
0: and in so, today's culture, it's love somebody or stop and pause for somebody. Yeah, be available. Be like, available. Actually, yeah. like,
1: and people have said, like, when I sit with them for an hour, they will go,
0: like, I can't believe you like, would sit me,
1: with me for an hour. Yeah, who does
0: that? Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And if you were at church Sunday, Pastor Danny talked about, you know, in Acts, uh, the first thing that Paul did when he came to the community is had a burden for the people in the community. Um, and engage them and first it starts with a burden for them and so you love dead people hurt people spiritually hurt people people that are angry at god hurt, hurt by the church yep. and then you authentically love those folks yep. and make yourself available to them yep, and right. so that's what we just talked about sunday at church and so what's uh the next step in that because people are weird man i mean they're True. people people are weird and they're complicated and gritty and so, so how do you a bible verse say God is great, people are good, or something about beer, anyway.
1: You guys know that one, right? Beer. God is great. What is it? Beer is good, people are crazy. Oh. (laughs) That's how that goes. That's how that
0: goes. (laughs) Now, how do you lead? You've been married 27 years. Some of us have women in our lives, daughters. How do you lead? Because when you come home, it's a different game. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) how do you lead oh
1: man you just you just opened up a uh, yeah, yeah, can yeah, of yeah, whoop yeah. ass yeah because we have
0: great women in our lives we attract great women we love great women and so we can lead at work maybe or in the church environment or even in in, a, in a you
1: you're old so you remember when pastors would put pressure on us to be spiritual leaders in our home oh sure Oh, that's why you were born. Then we would try to go home and do a Bible study with our wives. That knew more because you used to 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 do a a family Bible study around the dinner table. And then my eight year old doesn't want to talk and is in a bad mood, makes my five year old daughter cry. And then I try to discipline, and I discipline too hard. And Cheryl says, Stop being a jerk. And I go, Hey, that was a great time family Bible study time <laughs> and repeat, rinse, repeat. And the pressure of what it means to be a spiritual leader does not mean that you guide your family through devotions. I learned each one of my family members is their own unique context. So Allie, I learned not to come at her and ask her, make her do anything. And as I released the pressure, I learned that Allie would always text me when she was ready for bed. And I would go down, and she had a Bible under her pillow, but she didn't like me to read scripture with her. So, But she liked me to pray over her. So I would, and when she would just say ready, I would go down, and I would just pray over her. She liked it when I would put my hand on her forehead. And then we fist pumped. Learned McKenna likes me to read scripture so I'd lay next to her and we would read scripture and then she would hold me in a long embrace while I prayed over her so that was her thing she liked dad to do that Allie just fist pump don't talk to me just pray over me I learned that Cheryl likes me to pray for her and likes me to touch her when we're together um, she doesn't like to do long things. Your wife, Cheryl. My wife, Cheryl. Okay. So I, just, I, I feel like spiritual leadership is getting a PhD in each one of the people in your family. And then I also ask them to get to know me. I don't, I'm not going to lead you in a Bible study. around Like, I want to eat. Okay. Um, and we don't always have to pray before a meal in our family. So we just we figure out what works. We have a family meal every Sunday night with my two daughters and their new husbands. So Sunday night's just our family. We say, let's, let's always be there. And, um, but it took me, man, it took 20 years to figure out a natural spiritual rhythm. And there's days where I don't, I'm not feeling it, and I'll just tell her I'm not feeling it. Would you pray? And then she'll pray. But she prefers that I pray over her. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think it's more of a presence. And, I mean, how many of you have tasted the, the defeat on trying to force spiritual stuff? you know man it's just it opens up their heart I mean, spiritual leadership is really helping people get in a place where they want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit so it's it's really a, a lot of posture stuff and just learning your family you know I don't know but literally 20 years took me 20 years and you've been married 27 yeah so I'm I'm pretty decent at it now yeah and now you have grand sh- babies and two grandchildren popped
0: out this year yeah first ones yeah, love them way more than my own kids. And so put that in, s- yeah, I can't wait I'm for grandchildren. I'm not grandchild kidding either. Like- I told Elias yesterday, or two days ago, I told Elias, he's going to clean that raggedy hairdo of yours up today. It's quite embarrassing me as I drive you around, make that beard look like something. And uh, I told him, he says, how come you only had two kids? And I said, we had four. The other two wouldn't listen to us, so we sold them. <laughs> How do you think we paid for your daughter, your, my daughter's college? Hello. Sold them two kids. One, they think they're Kenyan and sold them to my friend Troy in Africa. It was our black baby. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. But how do you lead a woman? Because it's all posture. You didn't answer my question. You're supposed to be a professional communicator. I'm a little frustrated. It's no, nice, because I still haven't figured out women. How do you? Your wife? It took 20 years. What's the the temperament of your wife? Because my wife would not remind me when I was leading poorly at home, or a poor example, or not available, busy, strung out. She would not remind you. Verbally or like offensively, she had so much respect for me, but there was a reminding happening. There was a a look, there was a distance, there was a disappointment, there was a thing. How do you deal with that when you know you're not doing well? Because you're in a place right now, seven years of, of rhythm. It took 20 to get there. Yeah, but there.
1: it's still, I would say it's still not natural because I'm I'm primarily more of a loner. So t- just to engage people, and I'm engaging all day. So I really have always, it's more been like an energy. I, it's hard to have the energy once you get home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was more locking into things that don't require as much energy. So I do two coffees with Cheryl every day. There's a morning coffee, but then our afternoon coffee is kind of our... Real connect time. We actually pray in the morning. That's if we do anything. I sit. I used to sit across the room from her, and we'd have coffee, and then she'd go, "Okay, hey, let's pray." And and we would. It was just kind of forced. Just simply moving to her couch, sitting next to her. It just it, for some reason the the fight goes out. It doesn't take energy to sit next to her, mm-hmm. and just put a hand. I love to put my hand on her thigh. It's a little awkward here, but um, but no, like, literally, like, it's unnatural if I'm distant. If I, I will just sit where a little touch like this. And she likes that. She does. And yeah. she, and she will pray. She will feel more comfortable. But I don't know. That's just
0: what I learned about her. Um. So student, be a student of people. I'm here, you're a student of culture, yeah. student of the people at your whiskey bar or your coffee shop yeah. or your, uh, gym, student of your wife, yeah. student of your kids. Yeah. So right. leadership's basis on learning. Staying in a place available of learning and growing and not knowing everything. Humility. Can I put those words on all that? Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. You're teaching me.
1: Mark and I talk about our wives and our struggle in marriage. I said last night we had dinner. How's it going? He said best ever. Mm-hmm. This now. That encourages me. There's a guy that's super old. Why do you keep reminding me that? It's now? still like isn't that is cool though? Like right when you're mid 50s, you're going we're still really working this thing. Mm-hmm.
0: It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Hey, talk to us real quick on freedom. I said to Hugh, what what are you wrestling with now? What are you uh, learning in life? Uh, and you're talking about freedom, how to be free. What you're going to bring to us in May at the men's retreat? What's, yeah. what do, you, what are you building and learning about that?
1: Yeah, well, I hadn't really when he when I gave him the topic, I hadn't really thought of the talks I was going to give y'all. I still haven't thought of. I just remember feeling that's. I always talk about what I'm, what I'm going through, and I feel like this last year at 52, it was I was tired. I didn't want, really want to do anything. And then God started a whole new journey for us pulled me into another life I could have never sort of created on my own and to me that was an issue like the more I go in this life the more I realize that God has freed us to live a much bigger more adventuresome story than we would normally pick for ourselves. We normally settle for something that's manageable doesn't have a lot of risk to it. So I, th- I think the theme is really going to be about really living the life, you know, author and perfecter, right? God is the author. He started our faith. I don't know if we talked about this last year, but Mm -hmm. it says uh, that our faith, which is more precious to God than anything, is going to give reference to his glory in the last days. So the most like at the end times when God sees you and all of this is revealed, the thing that's most precious to him is the, it says, the authenticity of your faith. So he starts your faith, right? But then he perfects it. So like the, the, the biggest thing going on in your life right now, no matter what's going on, is God teaching you to completely and utterly trust him. And that's what he's most proud of. So if he, if he introduces his son Mark to other people in the heavenly realm, he's like, you gotta see Mark's like where we're at with his faith, that's what he's most proud of as a father. So, I don't know, we're gonna we're just... That's where you're at. No fear, gonna, we're gonna talk about living life without anxiousness or you're, you're free to not ever worry. Yeah. No, you go, no way dude, but no. It's an opportunity, it's a possibility. You're free to not live frantically. I'm
0: coming up with it right
1: now, this is good stuff, right? It's in the Bible. <laughs>
0: here's the thing I've learned and I look at Troy I met you when you were tw- out of med school or heading into med school at Davis you were 28 25 23 21 I met you uh, Claiborne I met you when you were 15 you're 30 so I'm listening to him say this and I'm, I'm seeing your shoulders because now you have a child does your brother have another one on the way Yeah. so second and I'm watching you play guitar in high school 15 year old kid and I'm watching you free And then I'm watching you become a man, and the thing I've learned about manhood at 55, it's just the responsibilities keep stacking. You know, and it's like, and so this thing called freedom is very elusive for me because we're responsible, we're creative, we're leaders, which means that we we, uh, bring on responsibility. And then we start trying to lead at home. We start trying to lead in the workplace. And now you're coming along with, "Wow, I can really influence my workplace for the kingdom of heaven by just le- allowing people to lean into who I am and how I'm living." Yeah, but not
1: not the pressures. Not supposed to be. There it's is more weight. More weight that God wants to hang on the carcass, right? right? He Wants to trust us with more, but He doesn't want it to add more pressure. Right. So we're free to have a, an expanding influence in the world, but we don't have to carry. The weight, my yoke is easy, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's going to be somewhere in there.
0: In there, yeah. Well, I hope y'all get there because the conversation is not going to end. And I think, as you shared with me on the phone two months ago, when we started talking about what we're going to talk about in May, I think freedom is one of the most un- misunderstood things that we have. Because typically, when we do free ourselves up financially, freedom, we fall into sin or apathy or narcissism. You know, it's like this slippery slope, and so we're afraid to truly walk and live in freedom. And next week, we're going to talk about just the sheer impact of moment by moment, daily by day by day, temptation, and how we get so easily derailed with our thought life and our um, the things that the Lord has been trying to free us from. We just fall into over and over and over and over again. And that's going to be next week in the life of Joseph as we follow the leader, really learning how to master this thing called temptation.